Praise the Lord, everyone. God bless you. Let's everybody stand together. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless this Bible study here this morning and bless all of our services today. Amen. Let's all pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and blessings. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word. We ask you to bless us, each and every one here today. Touch us with a touch from heaven. We glorify your name and we praise you in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Shake hands with the one next to you and greet him in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> We're starting a new series today, and I'm going to encourage all of you to bring your Bibles and bring uh, <clears throat> some, take notes if you'd like. We're going to go into the book of Romans, studying the book of Romans, starting with Romans 1.1. And uh, you'll find this to be one of the most interesting studies in the entire Bible. Uh, Romans is the first epistle. The word epistle means letter. Uh, it was, they were letters written to the early church. And uh, <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospel books, which gives us a picture of the life of Christ and teachings of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, a little bit about John the Baptist and so forth. And the book of Acts is all about the actions of the apostles and the early church and how they went forth preaching the gospel that Jesus Christ told them to preach. Uh, in the book of Romans, beginning with Romans and going all the way then from all of the so-called books or letters, following Romans is a series of letters written by the apostles, most of them by the apostle Paul. The reason being that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles. Uh, when Judas's chariot uh, betrayed the Lord, the Lord replaced him with the Apostle Paul. The other apostles, even before they had the Holy Ghost, cast lots and they chose Matthias to take Judas's place, but this was their doings, not the will of God itself. And so when Paul came along, the Lord chose him to be uh, the apostle to take Judas's chair's place, so he became the 12th. And uh, he was, a, he was, different than the others in the sense that he was particularly uh, designated to preach the gospel to the Gentile world and to the Gentiles. So as Paul traveled and preached, he also wrote letters or epistles to these churches. Sometimes he would be in Ephesus and he would write a letter to the Corinthians. Sometimes he'd be in Corinth and he'd write a letter to the Ephesians and, and so forth. Uh, many of the epistles that Paul wrote, he was on his missionary journeys when he wrote them. Later, he was put in prison and sent to Rome uh, to be in prison for a while. While he was there, uh, Paul uh, wrote some epistles, some of his later epistles he wrote while he was there and so forth. And uh, the book of Romans is one of the most interesting. And whenever the New Testament leaders uh, sort of put the New Testament together or begin to put it together. They put Romans as the first one because they felt like it was a very important epistle and it had many important things for us to know and understand about it. It was not the first epistle Paul wrote. It was not the first one. First Thessalonians was his first one. And Romans was written some, a little later. It was written about A.D. 57, 58 and in the middle of Paul's uh, travels and his and his preaching and so forth. I want to go into some things here, and the reason I'm encouraging you to bring your Bible 
and note everything is because I don't know when we'll pass this way again. We're going to be passing this way. There's some interesting things I'm going to relate to you and pass along to you here in the study of Romans. So uh, I'm going to encourage you to bring your Bible so that you can maybe take some note, notes or write them down or highlight certain scriptures. Uh, I have... Uh, I have a stack of Bibles, actually. I've got several Bibles. Some of them are so old and used until I'm almost afraid to pick them up. They fall apart. The one that I use a lot is still my study Bible. I've got it bound by duct tape. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a Cambridge Bible. I've got Oxford Bibles, Cambridge Bibles, Schofield Bibles, and so forth, Thompson Chain. And I have all of them, but this is one of my favorite to study out of. And you get in a habit of writing things in your Bible. Don't ever be afraid to write it in your Bible. The Bible says that no man should add to the word or take away from the word. You don't add or take away from the word of God. This is your ink and this is your paper. <laughs> this is your leather if you've got leather bound or Morocco, whatever it is. You bought that, so it's yours. Amen. And you will not be adding to the word of God any if you should write yourself some notes in there or highlight or underline and so forth. Uh, so I just want to encourage you along the way that you may want to do that and feel free to do it in your Bible. And uh, the Bible is a very dear book. Uh, I'm going to start here with Romans 1.1. I want you to look very closely with me to this, at this verse. And it says here, <clears throat> Paul writing, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And notice that, called to be an apostle. There were some men who would say, no, no, Paul's not an apostle. Pa apostle were the, uh, there were apostles were anyone who was sent, sent out to work for God, to be missionaries or to carry the gospel. Uh, there was the 12 apostles sent by Christ. And uh, Paul, of course, was sent uh, in his own way, praise the Lord, not uh, sent by Jesus in Jesus' earthly ministry, but he was sent later. He said, I was born one born out of due season. He was the caboose, in other words, of the 12, and so forth. So uh, Paul was one of those 12. He would tell these apostles at times, he would say, uh, or to the church, he would say, I, uh, uh, I am one born out of due season. And he said, if nobody else regards me as an apostle, I am an apostle to you. Now, let me get into this lesson here. I want you to look, follow with me very closely here. Paul, and servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, separated unto the gospel of God. Uh, I want you to notice the phrase there, the gospel of God, as he mentions it here. Over in verse 9, look what it says here. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. All right, so in one verse, the gospel, which is the good news, which is all about Jesus coming to this earth to bring salvation, uh, he calls it the gospel of God in verse 1. In verse 9, he calls it the gospel of his son. And then in verse 16, if you look at verse 16, the same chapter, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So three times he refers to it as gospel, but always a little bit different. It's the same gospel. In fact, there's one scripture in the Bible where it says, if I preach any other gospel other than that that I have preached unto you, or anyone else preaches any other gospel than that that I have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And so, uh, and he said, then even myself, if I, be, if I preach any other gospel. So there's only one gospel. Everybody say, one gospel. And he said it was the gospel of God. It was called the gospel of, this, of his son. 
It's called the gospel of Christ. Praise the Lord. It's all the same gospel. Now look at verse 2 with me, which he hath promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. I won't go into detail on this, but there's quite a study here. At this point, I won't. There's quite a study here of knowing how that the Lord promised through the prophets that he was going to send something very wonderful and great and that was better and above everything and anything else that had ever been presented to humanity. And so he says here, uh, he had been promised before by his prophets into the Holy Scriptures. In other words, this gospel is that. Praise God. Now, look at verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, his son, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. While you're holding your place there, I want you to go to Galatians 4.4. This is a, a confirmation to that way of stating it. And it says in 4.4, but when the fullness of time was come, this is Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Everybody see that? Uh, you say, wait a minute. The Lord in heaven said to his son in heaven, you go down and he's made of a woman in heaven? It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it fits, does it? And the truth about it is that, number one, the son here, he's speaking of the, the flesh, the son, made of a woman. Over here it says, made of the seed of David, which Mary was of the seed of David. And then it says here that, made of a woman, and it says, goes on to say here in verse 4-4, when the fullness of time come, God sent forth his son. Sent forth his son. Now let me just say this, when the scripture speaks about sending uh, the Lord into the, into the world, it means it sent him out into the world. A lot of times they mean that the Father said to the Son, all right, you go down, you know. But the Spirit in Christ sent him out into the world, made of a woman. Are you, are you connecting the dots here? I'm giving a little time for this to sink in. Jesus Christ, made of a woman, was sent into the world. How? By the Spirit motivating him. And the Spirit was the Father that was in him. Let me give you a little uh, diagram here and show you what I'm talking about here. I'm going to put this on. When you get into the Godhead, it almost comes by revelation. But I think we can learn by just observing. But this is a chart I'm going to put up here so we can get a, a handle on this. Let me see if I can get it straightened out here a little bit. All right. Now, I want you to notice up here, this is a chart that I put together. Is God is a spirit, John 4, 24. God is a spirit, not spirits. This is why that I, I find fault with that Trinity doctrine. Because the Trinity doctrine says God is, uh, is three separate and distinct persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existence. Uh, they're persons, all people, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. They're three separate persons, and they are only one in unity. In other words, they're like a little family or a little group, the three of them together. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and they're three in unity. The Bible does not teach that. The word Trinity is not even in the Bible. 
It never has been in the Bible. The word trinity or triune, which is another word for three, uh, triune or whatever it might be, or however it may be stated, is all the Bible as is all it comes from paganism and heathenism, and that's where you, the only place you find it. You do not find it in that Old Testament. Praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, it's emphatic. Hero is the Lord our God is one Lord. Another place he says, Hero is the Lord our God is one. And it's one God, one God, one God, all the way through the Bible, the Old Testament, all the way through, it's God is one. Praise the Lord. And so God is a spirit, and it always refers to him in that sense of the word. And the Bible says here in Luke 135, I'm pointing my pen to it, Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and she conceived and bore a son of the Holy Ghost, making the Holy Ghost and the Father the same. You with me on that? The Holy Ghost and the Father has to be the same because Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost and was born the Holy Ghost was his father, but the father was his father. So the father and the Holy Ghost has to be the same. And the father is a spirit, or God is a spirit. Therefore, it was God, the spirit, that overshadowed Mary. You can call it the Holy Ghost. You can call it the father, if you like, whichever. And when Jesus was born, then, in uh, Matthew uh, 1, 18 through 25, it talks about his birth and so forth. You can read it sometimes. When Jesus was born... Jesus, therefore, was the son of Mary, and he was the son of Mary as of the flesh. And it talks about uh, the son of man. Jesus referred to himself sometimes as the son of man. The foxes have places, they, they have places to sleep, but the son of man hath no place to lay his head. Okay, in other words, I don't have a particular sleeping place. I travel around. He says, you know, where are they? Can we come with it? He says, son of man hath no place to lay his head. So I'm just saying he refers to himself as the son of man, as the flesh, the man Christ Jesus. What you felt, what you touched, what you saw, what you handled, that was the son of flesh. The son of God was that spirit that was in him. He was also, not only was he the son of Mary, but he was also the son of God in that the Holy Ghost overshadowed him and he bore a son. So... He was the son of God. He was the son of Mary. And in addition to that, this spirit that overshadowed Mary also dwelt in him. It inhabited him. It filled his body. So that Jesus Christ, all of God, dwells in Jesus Christ. And here's, here's four scriptures. There's others as well. But 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Colossians 2, 9, Isaiah 9, 6. All of these are scriptures here. That speaks about God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Uh, and he talks about how that uh, God was in him. In him was the fullness of the Godhead and so forth. Scriptures like that. I won't go into detail in reading all of it because we would spend the whole morning here on just this one subject, even though it's a good one. Now, so that Jesus Christ, and I'm looking at this square down here at the bottom. So that Jesus Christ as a man. Four, Galatians 4, 4, born of Mary, born of the seed of David. He was tempted in all manner like as we. That's why he said, I was tempted in all manner. He was taken up into the Mount of Temptation. He was tempted there, the devil. He was hungry. He hungered just like anyone else did. Uh, the Bible said after 40 days of fasting, he hungered. And the devil tempted him and said, turn these stones into bread. He wouldn't do it. 
another time he would have eaten some figs off of a fig tree because he was hungry. But there was no figs on it. There should have been figs on it, but there was not. So Jesus cursed the fig tree to teach the disciples that were with him that if you're unfruitful, God will cut you off and that he has the power to do that. And because Israel was unfruitful, Israel was cut off from the Lord. It was a type of that. I'm going into another subject there, but I'm just saying that Jesus, it shows that he was hungry. Uh, he was also, uh, he died on Calvary. God did not die, the flesh died. The man Christ Jesus died. You understand what I'm saying? The flesh died, God did not die. And so uh, the flesh died on Calvary. As a man, he prayed. He prayed to the Father, that is to the Spirit. This little cloud here represents the Spirit. Uh, he was thirsty as a man, and he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, it says Jesus wept. And there is one scripture, I think it's in the book of Hebrews, where it describes the Lord and says he was found with strong cryings, strong cryings. There were times that Jesus absolutely cried hard and cried long, knowing what he was to go through at Calvary and knowing that Israel had rejected him and what would happen to Israel and to Jerusalem and to the city that God and the city named after the Lord and also the people of God's people, what would happen to them because of their rejection of him. And so there was a great burden that he carried. So all of this was in the flesh, but as God, as God, and this is 1410, Jesus said, God, uh, if you cannot believe me for, for uh, what I do, believe me for the, for the work's sake. And the Bible goes on to say that God, praise the Lord, was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And uh, as God, he healed the sick. He walked on the water. He opened blinded eyes. He fed the multitude. He raised the dead. He forgave sins as God. That's why those, uh, those Pharisees says, nobody can forgive sins but God. And so Jesus turned to the man that had, that had the sickness and the affliction. He, he says, be healed. He's, then he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Get up and walk. You know, the man was crippled. And so he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they said, nobody can forgive sins but God. And so he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. In other words, I am God. <laughs> and then he backed it up by saying, Get up and walk. Take up thy bed and walk. And the guy got up and took up his bed and walked away. We had that in there drama, you know, Easter drama. What a powerful illustration all that was. Everything. So all of this is to let us know that Jesus Christ was all God and he was all man. So that whenever you read these verses of scripture like this over in the book of Romans, I'm going back to Romans now and also Galatians 4.4, 4, it says that he was of the he made of woman. And over here it says that he was made of the seed of David is speaking about the flesh part of Jesus Christ and once you understand this about the Lord and let me just say this to all of us here today God's divine plan and way of doing things folks is so amazing it is sometimes the Bible even refers to is past finding out some things we can hardly grasp how God did it because of his wisdom uh, his wisdom and his understanding is infinite. There's a scripture that says it's infinite. I thought, boy, there's no better word than that. I found it in the Bible one day. It says that his understanding is infinite. In other words, there's no limit to it. His understanding of all things and his creation of all things. 
and the making of all things and the doings of his doings and his wisdom and his knowledge. It's beyond, praise the Lord, the imagination and the thoughts of man. God is great, greatly to be praised, and we thank God for it. Praise God. Uh, now, I want you to uh, look a little further. I'm going to read down a little bit further here. I want, to, uh, want you to look at verse 4. Declaring to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. This is Paul talking now. For obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So Paul knew that he was a preacher. He was to be an apostle to many nations, not just to Israel alone. Verse 6, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse 7 here very closely with me. To all that be in Rome, beloved God, called to be saints. Called to be saints. Did you know that's what you are? If you walk with God, the word saints actually means holy or one that is holy or one that is sanctified, or one that uh, is pious, is another word for it. But it means that you're holy, or you're sanctified of God, or you're a pious person called to be saints. The reason I'm pointing this out to you is that people who are saved by the gospel, and the, the true definition of saints is that someone who lives up, all, up to all the light that God gives in any dispensation of time. So you had saints in the Old Testament, you, had, you have saints in the New Testament, and you'll even have saints in the tribulation period. They're saints. And saints are those who live up to all the light that God gives in that dispensation of time, and they walk with God, you know, with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, and so forth. They, they are saints. I say all of that because there is found in the, and I'm thinking right now, the Roman Catholic Church, and there may be others as well, that there are people who are called saints that they make to be saints. They make them to be saints. They, uh, they ordain them to be saints. They uh, label them as saints. They have a stage that they go through, and they'll call it the stage of beautiful. Beautiful is a stage. It's uh, to others an adjective describing, you know, something that's pretty. But to them, the stage of the beautiful is meaning that they are in a stage working their way of being accepted as a saint. And then after so many years has passed, then they'll have a big committee meeting and they'll say, okay, she or he is now been recorded as saint. I have a book in my library that has all the saints. They have them all listed, what their names are and everything, what they were known for. It's just something I picked up one time just so I could have re for reference. But anyhow, that's not real saints. You know what real saints are? Real saints are people who live for God, who worship God, who love God, who serve God, who, who love the Lord. That's what saints are. I'm going to show you that in the scriptures here. I want you to turn with me uh, to the, uh, uh, let's see here. Let me find the right place. I think it's, uh, eh, where is it? Anyhow. There are numerous scriptures about the word saints. Go to the book of Acts for a moment. I know it's over there. Go to the book of Acts. Look in Acts chapter 9 and 13, for instance. This is an illustration only. I'm going to give you about three verses right here. This is 9.13, Acts 9.13. 
Then uh, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, speaking of Paul at his conversion, and he said, I don't know about this guy. He's been a bad dude. And uh, he was sort of bringing this point to the Lord like, as, as if God didn't know all that. <laughs> Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath brought to thy saints at Jerusalem. So notice the word saints here. And that's the people who were saved at Jerusalem. Look over in verse 32 of that same chapter. 32 of the same chapter, chapter 9 of Acts. And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia. Again, these were God, God's people, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, having repented, of course, of their sins. Also look at 41 in that same chapter. 941 of Acts, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called, the saints and widows presented her alive. Notice here again, he used the word saints. What I'm trying to say here is that the word saints are those who live for God, serve the Lord, and walk with the Lord. Praise the Lord. So whenever you say, that's why we often say uh, saints of God, we talk to you as the saints of God. That word is more common in the Bible, was more common in the Bible before, before the word Christian was in there, before the word Christian, saints was. And you find it also in the Old Testament. You find it all through the scriptures so, and so forth. So the word saints. I'm going to move on here. I want you to go to verse, uh, I want you to look with me here in verse 8 in Romans 1, 1, 8. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And uh, in case any of you don't know it, uh, Paul was a Southerner. For he said, I, through, I, I spoke of, I, first of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. You notice all, <laughs> so all of you Southerners say you all, there you are, you're on, you're on record here. Praise the Lord. Now, I was only kidding. That your faith be spoken of throughout the whole world. These were people who had faith and their faith, praise God, was recognized and was honored and was respected by the whole world. For God, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. He talked about the gospel of his son being the same as the gospel of God and also mentioned over in verse 16 as the gospel of Christ. I'm going to move very quickly then to verse 16. Everybody still with me? All right, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice this very closely here. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. The gospel, folks, is the power of God unto salvation. Praise the Lord. God has chosen that. The Bible says in one place he has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. I used to interpret that to save those that are lost. Actually, it doesn't say to save those that are lost. It says save those that believe. You see, Jesus died for the whole world, but the whole world will not be saved, even though Jesus died for the whole world, and the whole world could be saved. But there has to be a response to that grace of God Calvary is the grace of God. There has to be a response to that grace, and that's what we call faith. It has to be received by us. 
God has made this so that we are involved in salvation. We are involved in our own salvation. The Lord didn't just blanket it and say, okay, you're saved whether you want to be or not. You're going to go to heaven whether you want to go or not. You are going to heaven, boy. It didn't happen that way. The Lord, praise the Lord, has put it there. And we can be saved or we can be lost, whichever way we choose. And I just want to let you know here today that our God, praise the Lord, wants everyone to be saved. It is his will that no one be lost, that all be saved. But our will comes in. He's made us free will. People are free will, have free wills. He gave us all a free will. He gave the angels a free will. He gave the angels a free will. And Satan, of course, used his free will to rebel against God. And a lot of the other angels who agreed with him went along with him, and they used their free will. And, of course, in doing so, they lost out with God, and they were cast out of heaven. And they are waiting for the final judgment of the lake of fire in the end. We know that from the scripture. Now, I say all of that because God also made us with a free will. We have a choice. You know why all that is? Because God is not going to have anybody in his final reward for us that doesn't want to be there or that's going to ever give any kind of trouble to God. That's why you go through tests and you go through trials. If you live for God here, you're going to walk streets of gold. If you love God here, you'll walk streets of gold. You go through trials, you go through tests, you go through difficulties, you go through heartaches, and you say, Jesus, I still love you. God, you still got me on your hands. I'm not going anywhere. Amen. And some of you have been there. And you say, God, you know, I, I'm, I'm right here, Lord. I, I know I don't understand everything, why this is all happening, and where it's all going, but that's okay. I know that your hand is on it all. Praise God. Amen. And then one of these days, I promise you, amen, you'll walk streets of gold. Because the Lord says, okay, amen, come welcome in my servant, you know, you've been a faithful servant, and therefore all of this is for you. And folks, eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. We have not, we can't imagine what God has for us yet. If, you know, if you think this life is a good life, and, God, and you're happy with your life, and God is good on this earth, how much more has he got over there? How much more? I was driving down the US, US 1 going down, in, down the Indian River. And I was driving down, I had going down to uh, Sebastian. And uh, I was just driving along. It's a beautiful afternoon. And the sun was shining. And the Indian River was so peaceful looking. And I thought how long I have been here for 45 years. And I've seen that beautiful river, and I've seen that beautiful sight. And I have, you know, just seen the beauty of it all. And I thought about how many times I've gone out there and threw out a net and caught fish, you know, and, uh, and everything. And I said, Lord, I thank you that you've allowed me to serve you in this area. I did. I thank God for that because it's, it's a beautiful area. And while I was seeing all of that and thinking all of that, I thought if God can allow us to enjoy the beautiful things of this world and just see the beauty in it all. How much more, how much more does he have over there? And I'm saying that for somebody here this morning. If you're going through a trial or a test or you've been going through some tough times, don't give up on God. God, praise the Lord, loves you. He's got his hand on you. He wants you to be saved. It's not his will that any should perish. But one of these days, folks, the trumpet is going to sound. 
The Bible says, in a time that you know not, in a day that you know not, the Lord is coming back for his church, praise God. And uh, he's going to call us home to be with him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And our minds cannot grasp what God has prepared for those who love him and those who, praise the Lord, serve him and walk with him. So stay faithful to the Lord, walk with God, serve God, and God will always be faithful unto us. Look at verse 17. I'm going to move on here. Uh, verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God. That is the gospel of Christ. Notice this very much. I'm going to read 16 again so it, because it ties together. 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Greek first, the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And then he ties it in with verse uh, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now listen to me very closely here. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith. This scripture, the just shall live by faith, is first, was first found in the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk is found three places in the, in the epistles. The just shall live by faith. We are saved by faith, but we live by faith as well. Faith is believing God. So that even after we're saved, we have to say, I still believe God. And it's believing the word of God. That's how we believe God, by his word. We believe his word. And in any time, anything, anything can ever put a doubt in your heart or mind about the word of God, uh, discount it, discount it. You know what I'm seeing a lot of today on, starting to see on TV and TV shows, is that they make fun of Christianity. Or they make fun of the belief in the, in the, uh, in the creation. You know, they, they just sort of make a little fun of it. You know, like, oh, that's a, just a joke. So the Christian is a joke. Don't you ever buy into that stuff. Don't ever buy into it. God's word is right. I've served God now for some 65 years. I don't know. I can't even remember how long. 64 years. And I can tell you, folks, God's word, the more I know it, the more I've studied it, the more I learn it, the more exact I find it to be. Praise God. There's no error in it. There is no shortcomings in it. There's no, it's infallible. It's infallible. Praise the Lord. You can trust it. You know, you can trust the word of God. God will always be faithful. He'll always be true. He'll always be sure. I remember years ago, my son, when he was a young guy, uh, he had a lot of opportunities out here in the world, different things. And you know, he uh, has a law degree as well. And the law businesses tried to pull him into that. More than once, I'm talking about, you know, in the legal system, said, why don't you come work for lawyers? We'll make you rich, all that kind of stuff. You know, you don't have to preach the gospel. But years ago, he was, in, he was doing banking. He was in banking. They wanted to make him a, some kind of a, uh, and he was just, a, I don't know, early 20s. And they said, man, we'll make you a you know, banker and we'll work you up. You'll be a president of the bank, blah, blah, blah. They had all kind of promises for him and everything. And... Uh, and this one guy was talking to him one time. Some manager had come down from headquarters or wherever it was, and this this bank, and he was talking to my son and everything. He said, "Man, we said we'll really, you know, treat you right, and you'll really go places with this bank. And we're here to stay. We're the we're the banks. The banks are solid. We're here to stay." And he says, "Whenever the church is gone, we'll still be here." That's what he told him. And he says, "But you've got to give up your." You've got to give up your, you've got to give up your, uh, he was an assistant pastor at the time here under me. 
You've got to give up, he says, your assistant pastor's position. You've got to be full-time in this and forget the other. And just don't even pursue the ministry. That's what he told her. He told my son. My son said, no, I can't do that. I won't do that. And I said, All right. He said, you'll see. He said, you'll see. We'll be. And did you know what? Did you know what? I was with one of our Pentecostal brothers over in Orlando at an auction where they auctioned commercial property all over Florida, back when Florida went belly up. And that bank shut down. That bank shut down. And I was sitting with his brother whenever that building that he talked about, I can tell you which one he was, but I won't go into that. But whenever that building came up for auction and this Pentecostal brother of mine bidded on it, <laughs> he bidded on the building. I mean, he, had, he, was, he was a multi-millionaire. He's from up north and so forth. We were friends. And he said he bidded on that building and it didn't get it and everything. It just said, well, he got other buildings he got picked up around here like that. But what I am saying is that that bank went belly up. The bank folded. The name, if I mentioned it to you, you'd probably say, well, I don't think I've ever heard of that bank before. But the church is still here. <laughs> Hallelujah. It'll always be here. I mean, talking about this church is still here. And I'm just telling you, praise the Lord. Don't ever be afraid to cast your lot with God. Hallelujah. Believe the word of the Lord. Believe the truth. Praise God. And walk with the Lord. And so the Bible says here that uh, by faith. So the just shall live by faith. And then he goes on to say here in this, eight, this uh, 18th verse. He says here. For the wrath of God. I'm sorry. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. From faith to faith. Now here's how God involves you and I in his work. You see. People do not know what God can do for them until they see it in you and I. They have to see it in us. That's, why they, that's how they know. You know, the angels don't come down and say, shoot, he goes, oh, I'm telling you what, God can do this and God can do that. But God doesn't use angels like that. He uses people. You know, what was it Cornelius praying and praying, praying, 10th chapter of the book of Acts, everything, and the Lord sent an angel to him. And the angel said to him, Cornelius, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. Is that what he said? No. That's not what he said. The angel said, send to Joppa and there's a, a man by the name of Peter and he will come and tell you what you got to do to be saved because God involves us. That's why witnessing is so important. That's why testifying is so important. That's why the devil wants to shut your mouth and mine. He doesn't want you talking about the Lord. He doesn't want you to be a witness. He doesn't want you to tell people about Jesus. Have you, how, many, how many of you have ever been healed? Just raise your hand. Look at the hands in this place. I know everybody has it. I have for sure. Look at all the hands out here. People who have been healed by the power of God. Praise the Lord. From faith to faith. Okay, I believe in God. I know God can do it. And I tell somebody else from faith to faith. And that person says, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in anything. Listen, this is what God did for me. I was one time this, we have people in this church who were drug addicts. But they're not now. They're the finest, they're saints. The best saints that you'll find anywhere on the planet. I'm serious. But one day they were drug addicts. We got people in this church that were one time alcoholics. They're not now. They're saints. Saints of God. But at one time they were, praise God. But they came to the place where somebody said to them, 
you've got to come hear Jesus. You've got to come hear a message about Jesus. You've got to come see what the Lord can do. You've got to come to church. That's why coming to church is so important. And so it's from faith to faith. It's from our faith to their faith. God has ordained that. I know God could just open up the windows of heaven and show us all kind of stuff up there. And a person can say, oh, my God. And sometimes we wish God would just really, you know, can pow, 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 you know, slap them around a little bit. Say, hey, boy, wake up. You know, you got to get right. You got to get. But God doesn't do that. He uses us. And we don't do that because the Bible says not to do it. But we have faith in God and we witness and we testify. God will save somebody out of one family. One family. That whole family is lost. He'll save one person. And he'll fill them with his spirit, give them joy and happiness, maybe even do a healing in their body. And they say, what happened to you? Oh, I went down, I went to that Pentecostal church. Where, how, when, you know? What was it like? Blah, blah, blah. They ask questions. So faith to faith. My faith, praise the Lord, then is moved into their heart until they said, you know what? I wonder if God could do that for me. We have a, we have a family in this church I never forget that somebody was teaching them a home Bible study. And uh, the man and the woman, the wife and the husband, get together. And uh, they said, the brother wants to come over and he wants to hear it. And so the young lady that was teaching the Bible study, she said to me, Brother Myers, I'm afraid this brother's going to try to come over and trip me all up. And I don't know if I can you know, survive or not. He's going to try to trip me up and everything. And so she was a little bit worried about it. So I said, I'll go with you on this trip. So I went into the home and everything. The brother showed up there. And the brother listened. And then you know what the brother said when he got through? The brother said, can I get saved? That's what he wanted to know. He wasn't trying to trip nobody up. He was saying, can I get saved? A lot of people can, but what about me? You know, I've got quite a background. Can I get saved? Oh, man. I said, can you ever? Wow. Can you ever get saved? Praise the Lord. Listen, I said, you come to church this Sunday. I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. You'll come into church. I said, when the people start worshiping, you'll start feeling something just coming all over you. You'll feel it all go all through you. That's the way you'll feel. When the preacher starts preaching, you'll think that he knows everything about you, but he knows nothing about you. He's only preaching what God gives him, and God's using him to, to reach you. Now, that'll happen. I told her. It'll happen. All three of them. Come Sunday morning, they were here. That Sunday morning, that Sunday morning, one of them got the whole baptism of the Holy Ghost. I think it was the wife. That evening, that brother got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They came back. A week or so later, the husband got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're still in the church today. If I told you who they were, you'd say, you're kidding. That's who it is. Yes. No, I'm not going to tell you who it is. They're here right now. They probably know that I'm talking about them. But I'm just telling you, praise the Lord, it's faith to faith. And People want to know sometimes, can God do it for me? Yes, he can. God can save you. God can forgive you. You know, Brother Myers, I've got, got a lot of stuff in my background. They don't matter with God. What do you think the blood's all about? That blood is powerful. It covers everything. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed that it might purge our sins. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you came from. You know, I don't care if you're a witch doctor. God can still save you. I've seen them save people. I've seen them save people. I've been to Africa about three times, three times. And I've seen God save witch doctors, witch doctors. I mean, people that were just really trying to put, you know, hoodoos on people and everything else. God save them and then run tears down their cheeks and worship God. This is the greatest thing I've ever found in my life. 
This is real. But I'm just telling you this is the greatest thing in the world, and it's by faith. Praise the Lord. It comes by faith. That's how you and I are involved. We are involved because God's grace and God's love, praise the Lord, is manifested to us, and then we witness and testify to other people, and God substantiates it, praise the Lord. So from faith to faith, everything, it just seems to happen. God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. God has chosen to work with his people. That's why he said, go in all the world and be a witness, you know, be going all the world, teach, go to all the world, talk about it, go to all the world, preach it. Praise the Lord. He said, you shall be a witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. We are the uttermost part, you know that. We're on the other side of the world from Jerusalem. We're on the uttermost part. Amen. That's the Lord. And isn't God good to us? And folks, if God is good to us, he'll be good to people out there that's still yet to be saved, that's wondering, is there any hope for me? I guarantee you this morning, there were people that woke up, looked themselves in the mirror in their bathroom, and says, what am I going to do? Which way can I go? Will I ever get out of this mess? I mean, can I make it? What's going to happen to me? I guarantee you there's a, we cannot even count the number of people that did that this morning. This morning, and they'll do it tomorrow morning too. And you and I have the hope that is the only hope for humanity, the only hope for the world. And God has chosen, he's chosen to use us by faith, our faith. You know, remember that time you believed God? You said, yes, God, I know you're real, I know you're true, praise the Lord, and everything. That's why you, only by faith are we saved. By faith we're saved. Not faith not is up here, but faith in our actions. Faith saying, I believe, I want to be baptized, I repent of my sins. Oh, Lord, I want you to fill me with your faith. That's all part of that faith action. And so by faith, praise the Lord, God will save us. And then we impart that faith to others. Listen, believe me, God can do that. And I'm just telling you, there's an unborn church out there yet to be saved. A lot of you were not saved here five years ago. Maybe this is your, maybe you were not even in the church. Where were you five years ago? You know? But we were saying then, there's an unborn church out now, you're part of it. And just as you're part of it today, there are people out there that's not saved, that if the Lord should tarry, and if he will keep tarrying, that we will reach them as well. But it's going to be by our faith and our witnessing to them and saying, this is what God did for me. This is how God can do it for you. And if you believe the Lord, if you trust the Lord, God is able to do it. There's nothing he can't do, praise God. Sometimes they feel like, it can't happen to me. And you say, yes, it can. Amen. Yes, it can. Praise the Lord. I'll go with you. I'll be right with you. And I'll pray with you. Praise God. And it's amazing when people begin to have that spark of faith. I believe it can happen to me. And then all of a sudden they start worshiping God and glorifying God. And God saves them. What a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And one guy said to me, when I get the Holy Ghost, I want to shout all over the place. When he got the Holy Ghost, he was real quiet over in the corner just getting the Holy Ghost. Somebody else said to me one time, when I get the Holy Ghost, I, I, I don't want to make a big, dem big demonstration. When they got the Holy Ghost, they shouted all over the place. <laughs> God, God, praise the Lord, is always in God's control. God's God, you know. But he lets us know that he loves us and he wants us to go to heaven. 
and that he will help us through all of our trials and tests and difficulties. Would you stand with me together right now and let's lift our hands and worship God and praise him. Thank the Lord. Just thank him this morning for his goodness to us. Lord, we love you. We praise you, Jesus, with all of our heart. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for this congregation this morning. We ask you to bless our morning service, Lord. Bless us all as we come boldly to the throne of grace today to lift up holy hands unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Remain standing, if you will.